0: So for the past couple of days, I've been going back and forth on Exodus chapter 27, reading, taking some notes, reading some more, going back and forth, trying to figure out what's going on, what's the significance, and got hung up a little bit, didn't really understand much. So this is going to be pretty much a reading of Exodus chapter 27 this is again as I always tell you an extension of my Bible study so sometimes I get to points where I'm like going back and forth trying to understand its significance I get hung up and I just decide to move on that's why sometimes you might see so different things happen with my videos sometimes I get busy you know I have an actual job uh I would love to do nothing but podcasts for a living but Not all of us are afforded that opportunity, so I have a regular job, I get busy, I travel with my job, things happen, life happens, and sometimes it's also the fact that I'm reading and studying and I am hung up, hung up on a certain place, I don't know where to go with it, I don't know what everything means, I don't understand the significance, and at those points, I come to a, a breaking point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to move on. I'm not going to spend too much more time here. I don't really get it. Maybe later on something will be said and I will understand uh, more in depth what's going on. And that happened here in Exodus 27. dealing with uh, the construction of the altar. And I was trying to understand and 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 break down all of this really for my own purposes. Again, I I don't do these podcasts for entertainment effect. I know many people podcast for that reason. I do enjoy it. I try to make my content quality. Uh, I try to make sure visually it's good. I try to make sure audibly it's good. And I try to make sure that my thoughts are concise. But when it comes to my Bible podcast, really, it's kind of therapeutic. I've said that before, this is more helpful to me sometimes than I think to most people out there. So, uh, like I said, is there's not, there's not much understanding I have as far as the altars. Some of you might understand this more in depth than me. That's fine with me. I, when it comes to studying my Bible, I have abandoned pride. I realize there's just things I don't know. And maybe at some point I will learn and know these things, but right now I do not know and I do not try to act like I know. So anyway, book of Exodus chapter 27, let's get into this. And thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood. Again, why shittim wood exactly is used. Um, It was a very good looking wood from everything I've seen. And I'm assuming that that is the reason because, you know. Purely of the, the, the opulent look. I think that's the right word um, I was looking for. Five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square and the height thereof shall be three cubits. Now I was going to go through all the measurements. I've done that in uh, other chapters. A uh, cubit is 20.61 inches. So if you want to do the calculations to figure out what all these measurements are. You can uh, you can do that uh, verse two and thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof and his horns shall be of the same and thou shalt overlay it with brass. Now, initially, when I when I saw horns, I, I couldn't, you know, you try to make sense of things like I, I don't think any of this construction is haphazard. All of this is for a reason. And I was just like, okay, why horns? Like, what am I missing? Horns. Horns are on animals. What? Well, we know horns protrude. The horns are going to be on the four corners and are going to be covered with brass. My estimation, along with other things, because you, you see other uses of these horns, I believe, in the book of Leviticus, when they when they poured the blood or the sacrifice on the horns, I believe that happened. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I believe along with that, these horns were also used to move the altar. If you get four people on, on all sides with these, you know, protruding horns, this altar could be lifted and moved. just an assumption. I'm not saying that I'm right about that. Like I said, I was going through this, trying to figure out as much as I could, And I realized at some point, I don't know what's going on. So I'm just going to read through the chapter, move on. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to just move on to the next chapter and abandon this chapter in a video. So I was like, well, I'm just going to, as I said before, extend this, extend my podcast from my Bible study and do exactly what I was doing in my Bible study. Pretty much just reading, doing a little bit of observation and thou shalt make his pans receive his ashes and his shovels and his basins and his flesh hooks and his fire pans. All the vessels thereof shall, uh, shall make of brass. Thou shalt make of brass. I, I did, I did wonder, and I don't really know why brass specifically was used. I don't know if it was the color of the brass maybe the flash point of the brass you know the point at which it melts and i believe so i believe um gold has a hotter flash point so brass will melt before gold if i'm not mistaken uh because yeah i was looking this up trying to figure out you know thinking of different reasons brass would be used you know the sacrifice was burned at the altar, so maybe it was for the flashpoint. I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure. You know, a, a fire from burning a sacrifice would get that hot anyway to melt brass. But uh, maybe it was to cover some of the other, you know, pieces, things that would burn. I don't know. I don't know exactly why brass was used. I don't think it's insignificant, and I think at some point. Lord willing I will figure this out but as of right now I don't know and thou shalt make for it uh, a great a network of brass upon upon the net shalt thou make four brassen rings in four corners thereof and thou shalt put it under the compass of the altar beneath uh that the net may be even to the midst of the altar and thou shalt make staves for the altar staves of shittim wood and overlay them with the brass um and what is a stave this is something that I, i i meant to look up and put in my notes because i did look up some things and and put it in my notes but I did not look up stave and I'm into, so we're going to look that up right now. So a stave is a thin, narrow piece of timber of which, uh, casks are made. Staves make a considerable, uh, make a considerable articles of export from New England to the West Indies, a staff, a, metrical portion a part of a psalm appointed to be sung in churches uh in music the five horizontal and parallel lines in which the notes okay so clearly you know that's not what we're talking about um so it's got to be that first uh that first part of the definition a thin narrow piece of timber so that's what they're making and the staves shall be put into the rings, and the staves shall be upon the two sides of the altar to bear it. Uh, hollow with boards, shalt thou make it, uh, as it was showed thee in the mount. So shall they make it, and thou shalt make the court of the tabernacle for the south side. Uh, of the tabernacle for the south side southward shall be hangings for the court of fine twine linen of an hundred cubits long for one side now I, was, I said this in another video. I will stop and say this. I have looked up uh uh different places where uh like computer generated models of what is described here was made. And that that's a good practice because it kind of visually gives you an idea of, of what's going on here. Sometime when you read all of this stuff, sometimes things can be lost in translation, right? No matter which, which Bible version you use was whether it's the amplified version, uh, the uh, English standard version, a lot of these readings are very similar. So you're reading this, you're getting all of these details but there's so much detail that you actually lose the ability to actually construct this because there's so much intricate detail. So if, if you go to there's different websites, like I said, you can go on YouTube and look up videos of computer generated models of the tabernacle, the altar and all of this uh, good, good practice. And the 20 pillars thereof and their 20 sockets shall be of brass the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. And likewise for the north side in length, there shall be hangings of an hundred cubits long and his 20 pillars and their 20 sockets of brass, the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the breadth of the court on the west side shall hangings of 50 cubits Uh, Their pillars ten, and their sockets ten, and the breadth of the court on the east side eastward shall be fifty cubits. The hangings of the one side of the gates shall be fifteen cubits, their pillars three, and their sockets three. And on the other side shall be hangings fifteen cubits, their pillars three, and their sockets three. And for the gate of the court shall be an hanging of twenty cubits of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen, wrought with needlework, and their pillars shall be four and three sockets, four. And all the pillars round about the court shall be uh, filleted with silver, their hooks shall be of silver, and their sockets of brass. The length of the court shall be an hundred cubits, and the breadth fifty. Everywhere and the height five cubits of fine twine linen and their sockets of brass. All the vessels of the tabernacle and all the service thereof and all the pins thereof and all the pins of the court shall be brass. Shall be of brass. Again, I'm positive the fact that they're brass is significant. Maybe not just in some... Uh, spiritual aspect but maybe actually practically i just don't know what that is just yet and thou shalt command the children of israel that they bring thee pure oil olive beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always in the tabernacle of the congregation without the veil which is before the testimony aaron and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before the lord it shall be a salute, uh, a uh, my bad for ever unto their generation on the behalf of the children of Israel again, many of this or much of this rather has a lot of significance, a lot of symbolism. And a lot of representations. I don't necessarily have all of that nailed down. I have some ideas. And one of the reasons. in my own study. I have no problem moving on when I don't understand. If you get yourself in a habit of feeling as though. You don't understand something. So you have to inject something. Like I don't understand. I don't know what this is. So I have to place something. In here, I have to ascribe some meaning. That's how you get into a bad habit of assuming you know something and holding to beliefs that that may be disproven later on, but yet you still hold to them. I found in my Bible study this this is what I found: when you make an honest attempt to just understand the Bible you're not, you're not going to understand every single thing you read across. And I think this is the, the mistake some people made. now, now let me, um, you know, you know me, I like to add caveats. So let me add this caveat. I'm not saying you can't understand the Bible and I'm not, maybe sometimes things aren't as deep as we try to make it. And that's why we don't understand. And that, and, and when I was reading this, I thought that to myself, maybe I'm trying to make this so deep and it's actually just simple. It's just construction and there's not much more to it. I do think there is more and I just don't understand, but I said all that to say, there's nothing wrong with not knowing there is, there is much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Nobility and humility in just admitting, I don't know. You know how many times somebody is asking me about a, a verse or, a subject in a Bible, when I don't know this is this is how I'll lead. this is just me personally. I'm not telling you how to answer. I'm just giving you you know a, a personal instant. I have no problem saying, I got some thoughts on that, but I don't really know. these are my thoughts, but I don't really have anything concrete, right so I, I don't mind offering my thoughts. but if I don't have a concrete, sound, biblical, thorough argument. I make sure it's understood that these are just my thoughts that can be maybe in the future disproven with sound biblical logic that I just don't understand. I think it's a good way to avoid false doctrine, and it's also a good way to avoid cult-like behavior. I think this idea that you can't be wrong, I think this is how cults take over because... People have this impression in their head that it's got to be my way. I have to be right. No, I don't have to be anything. What I need to do is I need to believe what the Bible says. And when I don't understand, I can have some opinions. But other than that, I just need to keep my mouth shut. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.